Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and special guest co-host, Allison Krejci Giddens with us with you here, right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's episode. Allison, how are we doing? We're doing good. The rain is holding off for once, this lovely uh, late 2021, and ready to do this. I don't know. I just saw a lobster boat pass by my Metro Atlanta uh, window <laughs> here, so we've gotten plenty of rain. <laughs> But it always could be worse, and it really is gorgeous right now. So, uh, Allison, I love what you do. You're one of our favorites here. Uh, of course, a longstanding repeat guest here at Supply Chain Now. And I'm so excited about this interview that you helped us facilitate with one of your network colleagues. Allison, we've got a global manufacturing leader, especially in the quality world, set to join us here today. And one of our favorite parts, Allison, besides the dynamo that our guest is, she works for a brand that has probably touched us all in some way, shape, or form, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I had plenty of these items, and I might still have them. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you know what? We're going to let the cat out of the bag momentarily, but let's let's uh, introduce our guest first. So our featured guest is a, is a global business leader with over 25 years of experience in quality and supply chain across four continents. In her career, She's been charged for ensuring quality of some of the brands that Alice and I are kind of alluding to that we all know and love, like uh, the iconic brands Barbie and Hot Wheels. I had about, uh, seems like an army, like thousands of Hot Wheels back in the day. When not working, though, our guest, her, her engine doesn't stop. She's founded several nonprofits to serve her communities in Malaysia and Mexico. She has received volumes of recognition, a couple, a top, including Top Women Inspiring Humanity Award for 2018 and 2019 by the Global Chamber of Commerce in Malaysia. And, and again, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So with all that said, I want to welcome in Gladys Araujo, Global Quality Vice President with Mattel Incorporated. Gladys, how you doing? Excellent. Thank you very much for the invitation. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here today in Supply Chain Now. And thank you, Alison, for the connection. So exciting to be here with you. That is right. You're, you have achieved legendary status with this, Gladys, already, and um, I'm so excited to be able to dive in deeper uh, in your journey and some of your POV. So um, if you're anything like Allison, man, we are, um, we've got quite the show lined up. So Allison, you know, we like to get to know our guests first, right? We like to humanize them and, and kind of have some of their, their personality come out first. So with that said, before I uh, pass a baton to Allison, Gladys, I want to get to know you better. So tell us where you grew up and give us the goods on your upbringing a little bit. Yeah, I first and all, I'm Mexican. I born in and raised in Monterrey. This is one of the third largest industrial cities in Mexico. We are close to the border of Texas, two hours. And I was uh, raised by a traditional Catholic uh, family, mid-class level. I am the older of four brothers and, and sisters. And my, my parents, they were uh, a firm believers about education. And my father always kept saying to my mother, 
the best uh, inheritance that we can give to our children will be education. Then as a family goal, they were having, um, making sure that we were having a good education in a good university. And to provide that, he was working always two chiefs. He was a civil engineer in the uh, construction uh, industry. He was working during the day in a chemical factory and at night in, as a freelance project. Then he kept very, very busy. And he was also making sure of something very important in our family that we love, uh, we need to love books and, and learning. And then uh, back then, as you know, we didn't have any internet connections or cable right. channels, not in iPhones, the good old days, right? No, no <laughs> iPad. Then the information available to us, it was only newspapers, uh, the textbooks in the school, few books that you buy here and there. And then I remember one Saturday morning when I was six years old, then I, I, I was walking into the living room and then I saw a salesperson uh, talking to my parents and he was showing a very large collection of books and encyclopedias and things like that. And I was getting so excited. And, and my father, he was, uh, that's the only way he could um, give us a window of the war because there was nothing else to show us about uh, what is going on around us. Then he was, I remember bargaining with the uh, salesperson because uh, for him, uh, that was a fortune to, to invest into, but he made it. Then I remember the first day when over 100 books arriving to my home, that was like Christmas. It was the best day of my, uh, of my life. And since that day, I started uh, reading every single day. I spent most of the afternoon reading about everything, science, literature, art, and so on. So Gladys, if I can interrupt just for a quick second, because yes. what you're describing is that, you know, if there was a stretch in our collective history where door-to-door -door salespeople was a thing, correct, whether they were selling correct. vacuum cleaners or encyclopedias, correct. that was a thing. And one other thing I love about what you just shared there is um, your dad really wanted to provide you with, with that information and those experiences and in, in one of the few ways you could. And he was working two jobs, right, by day and by night. So naturally, he's going to negotiate because th those were hard-earned dollars that he wanted to you know, invest in y'all's experiences. So um, what a cherished memory that has got to be. And clearly... You began reading every day as those hundreds of books came in, right? Yeah, correct. And reflecting about those days, in reality, besides, of course, of my parents inheriting me a, a good education, that in their mind, that's the way I will open to the world of opportunities. And, and they were right on that. They inherited inherit on me the passion of learning. And I, I know nowadays that this skill of lifelong learner it is a mandatory skill. It was relevant back then. It is relevant today more than ever. Why? If you listen of all the researchers, the researchers about the future of work, the jobs of the future are not even here today. Then you need to be learning and relearning and transforming yourself every single day. Then one of the top critical skills for the future is to cultivate the lifelong learning lifestyle. And, and I can tell you by experience of over 30 years uh, in, in the working environment in a global business, that this has been a key success factor, not only for my personal development, 
also for my professional growth in different uh, roles and in different parts of the world because I have to be learning and relearning new skills as well as, as new technologies and new threats. I love that. And in industry relies on that constant learning. And then what you learn one day, you're, you're challenging it almost the very next day. And that's how we move, we move forward. And I want to bring Allison back into this because I know I just met Gladys just, you know, uh, what, 18 minutes ago. But what I know about Allison uh, from our conversations and work together, and of course, if uh, she's a great follow on social, she reads all the time. She reads books that are about, uh, well, they're on your pay grade level, Gladys, which is about 17 above mine. So Allison, if you would, I, I think we could spend the whole hour with Gladys kind of on her upbringing, but speak to Allison, your take on constant learning. And then from there, we'll dive into Gladys's uh, professional journey. Yeah, no, that, and in fact, it's funny. I took a note about that because I've, I know that I'm going to pick up on a lot of fun new things about Gladys. So I've, I'm writing things down over here. And um, yeah, the lifelong learner thing is vital. There's a great book out there called Framers. Um, and I know that there's a subtitle to it. And I don't know the author off the top of my hand, but I'm sure that you could figure it out. And it's all about learning new things and, and, and gaining those experiences. And as you learn new things, your brain is creating new frameworks so that when you come across something else that might not be identical, but your brain is constantly searching for patterns. So your brain will then say, oh, I've kind of seen this before and this is how this works. So the more you learn, it's not as though you are just keeping to that one little box of new learning. You're ultimately, you're growing that bigger and bigger. So that's, I mean, I, hearing Gladys talk about that, that's, do you think Gladys from, from the things that you, whether it's the, the hundred books that you read that your, that your dad brought in, um, do you think that that kind of dovetailed you into a particular profession? Is there something that you can recall that, that really drove you into that start of your professional journey? This is a very nice question. And, and I will think everything somehow shaped you, even a, a, a book of art in a book of literature, I think you say something very important. It helps you to make connections. Then when I'm doing like engineering work, because I'm a chemical engineer, I love math, science, and stuff like that, that creativity is extremely necessary. And, and reading and being exposed at, to art, it, it enriches you that creativity and it helps you. Then I see that, um, I always tell um, young, young generations that they need to try to learn about everything they can, explore every, everything. They never know where is the superpower coming. They never know what connection they can help to resolve a critical problem just for uh, exposing yourself to something else. How many times you are stuck in a problem, you just go out for a walk, and then things start coming into your mind. I see the same way it's happening with books. And, and I just want to add one additional comment on what you said. Uh, I love what you said about framers, and of course I will be looking the book, but I also was uh, recently reading a lot of research about dementia and Alzheimer. And you know, nowadays is the, the sickness of the century because everyone is living longer, even if you don't have in your DNA, this degenerative uh, uh, sickness, 
you may eventually get it because it's a, a natural uh, process in, in a human. Then also learning helps you to prevent or retard the, the, the issues about the Alzheimer or dementia. That's such a great point. So by the way, framers, human advantage in an age of technology and turmoil. Uh, and I'm not going to pronounce the author's names because I'm going to butcher those, but you can easily find that on, on Amazon or, or your local bookstore. And, and, and one of the quick follow-up point that both of you are speaking to, and, and then Allison, I'll back over to you, is when you learn about other things other than what you're most passionate about, as you're speaking to Gladys specifically, you know, your you know, math and science, what were things you were passionate about, things you're great at. But I love how you put it about learning about the arts and other non-related things because it gives you different lens that you see your gifts and you see your, your strengths through, that then you can help communicate that more effective, effectively to others. And you see core problems differently because you're more well-rounded. And it really, so that, that, that perspective that uh, we're, all, we're all after kind of broadening and, and investing in um, uh, by going outside of those guideposts, it's a, it's, it's a big, healthy uh, aspect of becoming more well-rounded, more effective as leaders. So I love that, Gladys. Okay, Allison, where are we going next with our dear friend? So in kind of bringing all of that together, and I know we took a long time to get here to talk about your current role, but a lot of this has gotten me thinking about a, a friend of mine, Ram Shankar out in the UK. He's an engineering design, uh, specializes in sustainability and engineering. And he tells young people to think about learning and your, your role in life or your, your, your career path instead of the old term, um, a jack of all trades, master of none. If you've heard that, instead of thinking of that way, think of it, jack of all trades, master of one. And he says, you think about like a T and think about the breadth of learning that you have that goes across the top and then the depth of learning on one particular thing. And it, get, it got me thinking, looking at Gladys's bio and just knowing what I know about where she's and her uh, never-ending list of, um, of degrees and, and, and organizations she's a part of. But Gladys, can you talk about kind of that, that thought process of learning all that you have and have learned and learning and what, you, what you're looking at next, but, but ultimately focused on what's your current role? What does that look like every day? What's next? Yes, my I have. Uh, I would like to to chat about two current challenges that I'm facing right now in my current role. One is uh, about digital transformation, and this is kind of responding to all three of your questions or concerns. What I'm keen now, what I'm doing now, where I'm going, or what I'm learning and relearning. Of course, I I didn't born as you knew since the beginning in the digital era, but I I the beautiful is that I have seen the grow since day one up to now, and I have been to keeping myself updating uh, to this level. Then nowadays, uh, one of the um, projects that I'm working is uh, the global digital transformation, specifically into the quality arena. Nowadays, I see that is the perfect time to do so, because even if we wanted to do it before, we didn't have the technology and the tools and interconnections that we have today to do it. Nowadays, majority of the businesses, of course, many of them are very advanced, but I will say in general speaking, we have dispersed systems. We have been incorporating 
technology in different parts of our business processes. Could be even automation in manufacturing, could be X software in the technology, in the lab testing, or in this other area, or in this other area. But we didn't have the technology, neither the IT solutions that will help you in one single platform uh, uh, to, to make sure that all these systems are speaking to each other. And also our globalization having like over 100 locations uh, with many different activities going on. Can you imagine the beauty in just one dashboard? You have like that all the information at glance of what is happening in every single manufacturing site, commercial site, and be able to take decisions faster, to respond faster to the continuous demand of our consumers, because the consumers, they have evolved and they have changed as well. Then we need to keep that focus. Then it is a challenge, but it's a very passionate challenge because you have to embrace technology, there is a cultural change aspect in this process because uh, people need to adapt. But the way I see it, it has been there always, even in the manual process, when you were changing no ISO 9000 to ISO 9000, they need to adapt. And they were saying, oh, it's a cultural matter. Yes, it is, but it happens. Then when we start with the IT, small IT solutions, it was the same way. But now it's an, in a larger scale. Then uh, now I'm working on that transformation. Very exciting. Before, hey, Gladys, can, can I ask you a question really quick? Yes. And I am not a quality expert. So let's just put that out there. I need to, I need to wear that as a T-shirt maybe. So, so, you know, you spoke to customer expectations because they continue to be ratcheted up for a variety of reasons, right? Um, and then you also mentioned ISO, right? Where um, the grand standardizer, right? Um, how, how does... Um, can you really quick for, for the lay person out there that may not also not be a quality expert, what is ISO? And as a quick follow-up, does ISO, is it living and breathing to take into account, you know, the changes in the overall business environment and what folks come to expect when it comes to quality? Yes. Uh, ISO 9000 is uh, normally used in the manufacturing process uh, for the standardization of all the activities. Then you have to have documented everything that you do. You have to have records of everything that you do, but that is incorporated into the standard, the best-in-class practices that will assure that you constantly will deliver a quality and safe product to the market. Then nowadays, in the beginning of my early days, very few companies were having. Nowadays, if you don't have it, you don't do business at all. Majority of the retailers, especially on the consumer goods, uh, they will be asking for that, including the automotive industry, the food industry, the medical industry, and, and you name it. Then what is these new systems are doing, like the EQMS platform that is called Enterprise Quality Management System, there are two things doing. Of course, the ISO 9000, um, it is integrated there, but also uh, they have been evolving as well. And then the best practices in the market for every single business process are also integrated there, meaning that maybe you are not having the best in class corrective action process, meaning to resolve any customer complaint in a, in a, a very targeted way or efficient way. Then the methodology to do root cause analysis, corrective actions, preventive actions will be embedded into the EQMS platform. Gotcha. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And you know what, Allison, 
Gladys clearly, I like how she keeps, she describes that at, at my level versus a, you know, global quality executive level. So thank you very much no, for that, Gladys. Welcome. I really appreciate my pleasure. it. Okay, Deb, any other question? I was going to share another initiative. That this, yeah, is a, this is also um, a, a global trend that is happening. I think everyone after the pandemic um, uh, year, especially you that you are in the supply chain now, <laughs> you know that there has been a tremendous disruption around the globe, especially on logistics. And that has been increasing significantly our lead times and our price and our business profits. And somehow it has been hitting our consumers. And also you have seen that uh, a lot of consumer good companies were very uh, localized in a specific areas, could be only China or could be only this place. And not necessarily with the new uh, uh, a way of, of businesses behaving will be the most um, smart way to go. Then one of the trends is that we need to be closer to our markets. Then uh, companies are seriously rethinking where they are manufacturing the, the goods and service. There is maybe a premium on the manufacturing rate, maybe in Mexico besides uh, Vietnam, for example, or Southeast Asia. However, what, what is more expensive? Not to have product at all. Uh, many companies were stocking with many products in India for several months and that you couldn't get out any product from there. Then one of the uh, new trends that uh, everyone is looking seriously in supply chain is to have this kind of localization. Some of them call it like nurturing initiatives or local contract manufacturing. There are many different terminologies out of there in the market. Then one of the um, uh, challenges that I'm working right now is to develop the near choring initiatives, especially in Mexico and Latin America, meaning contract manufacturing, uh, finished good producers uh, of, of toys in Mexico to ship to our main market, that is US. Then that's also something uh, that keeps me busy nowadays. All right, we're glad we're going to have to have like a, a multi-episode series. The, the Gladys well, I like factor. That. The Gladys factor. I like There's that. There's so much there. I think we're on to something. <laughs> but <laughs> I like your point there. Yeah, total landed cost may be really low for something not on the shelf, but it's not on the shelf. It doesn't create any revenue. So that's that's a great point. Um, all right, so we're going to geek out a bit on this next section, Allison, uh, because yeah. You know, we all had Barbies, we all had Hot Wheels, and that's just two of the big brands that make up the, the Mattel um, you know, global umbrella. So Gladys, how cool is it to you know, work for and represent a company, be a leader in a company that touches so many folks at different points of their, you know, their, their journeys? It is magic. It is super cool. I remember, you know, 30 years ago when I started uh, my, my journey at Mattel, I was walking into the manufacturing plant. The first time ever I have seen a manufacturing plant of toys. It was like a dream for a child. And I can even remember the smell of the plastic, of the packaging, and looking at the people putting together these Barbies. And if you have the pleasure of maybe after the COVID to visit, especially our plan in Indonesia, where we manufactured the, the Barbie, is impressive. 
it is it's like a little piece of art every single doll or every single car then since day one when i started work walking into the factory i was having a feeling i belong here this is this is my place then of course, as I was getting involved and, and learning about quality and how serious and how detailed we were about quality and safety, I couldn't believe how much um, things we put in a little Barbie that we don't even appreciate it. Uh, all the efforts that are put on, on those little things to make sure that everyone thinks, oh, it is a toy, but toy is going to a child that will put the toy in their mouth then it has to be the safest product in the world. And also the use will be abuse of the product. Then it has to be drop test proof that even if you drop it, it nothing will be wrong on that product continues working, no small parts that will be ingested and cause a potential hazard to the kid and so on. Then I started getting more in, involved in quality and I was getting more um, uh, passionate about it. And then later on uh, through the years, I think everyone has been watching either closer or from far away, the great evolution of, of Barbie. You know, uh, there, were, uh, there were years in where people even were targeting Barbie and nowadays it's a, a role model. It is an inspiration for girls. What an inspiration that you can be anything. All the professions are there and we are keeping that uh, momentum. And the other transformation that I'm happy to see, and, and it is like in process as we speak, uh, is that we are converting the company in what we call IP driving company, like intellectual property driving company. What we are doing is putting movies, uh, Netflix series, uh, YouTube channels, a lot of content that in the entertainment arena that of course will bring our our products aboard normally speaking uh, who is the ones are doing better every year in the toy industry are the are two types of course if you have a very cool innovative uh, toy but secondly who is the one selling the toys to the to the great uh, uh, disney movies uh, pixar or you name it then they are the ones that you are bidding and the ones that got that contract, they are the ones going up. Then we have something that no one has. We have a many different intellectual properties and, and brands that we own. They are our own, like Thomas and Friends, Barbie, Hot Wheels, American Girl, Feature Price, you name it. Then we haven't had uh, taken full advantage of that incredible IP to put our movies out there and be driving our own selves. Then that's what is happening. There is He-Man coming, a Barbie movie, and, <laughs> and, and so on. It's so exciting. The hits keep on coming, and, and, and the hits are evolving as you're, as you're speaking. The industry is evolving. Mattel's evolving. And at the end of the day, there's a lots of really happy kids and people out there that are consuming. So, Allison, before I move forward, uh, again, there's so much energy here that we could, we could continue to peel the layers back, but we got to move forward. I'm going to ask uh, some advice from Gladys. But, but what basically what she just shared there, what, what is one of your favorite aspects of what Gladys has just shared, Alice? I really love the fact that it's all connected. 
So if you think about systems thinking, and I think the engineers in the room appreciate the thought of everything being connected. And it really is. I mean, when, when Gladys was talking about the, the art involved to Barbie pieces, it never would have crossed my mind. But as she was saying that, I was picturing someone on a shop floor holding a Barbie head that probably didn't have hair at this point, and then painting the makeup on. I mean, these kind of things you don't you don't truly appreciate when you're, you know, when you're flying high and looking down. It's it's when you really get up close to those kind of things. That's so cool. That's such a great point. It's like, frankly, it's like blue jays. When I was a kid, we had blue jays everywhere. I wasn't into feeding birds or anything. I took them for all for granted. And now here in the pandemic, as we've put some feeders out, my my office studio window here, I, their blue jays have become my favorite bird. And now I like wait till I see one and, and it like makes my day. I try to get pictures of it. It's, it's, it's really kind of what you're speaking to. You know, it, you've got beauty that is um, in detail and craftsmanship that isn't always appreciated. So I love that call out. And one of the things that I love what Gladys mentioned, if you heard her say when she hit, she, when she first time in the factory, she said, I belong. I belong. And I tell you, I'm not sure what my three kids are going to, where they're going to find their calling, but I hope they have that experience in their first uh, immersive uh, you know, visit to wherever, wherever that would be. So glad I said, that's a beautiful thing. Okay. So along those lines, uh, Gladys, I want to, I want to, uh, uh, we're going to owe you a consulting invoice here because we want you, we want to get your advice. So um, think if you're in a room full of thousands of um, of young professionals or college students or even high school students, and you know they see you as a role model, they see Allison as a role model, they want to break into global manufacturing, they want to become executive leaders like both of you. What is some advice that you would offer them, Gladys? Yeah, I will be talking about three points and one bonus. <laughs> The first point, I think somehow I made it, that is very important to cultivate the lifelong uh, is lifelong learner skill. Try new things, learn about everything a little bit. You never know where you will be finding your superpower. Even if you are fear about something, that's where you need to try more. Because when you try more, you practice, you overcome your fears, and you maybe be a master of that. That's the first one. The second one is that I have been learning and relearning through my whole career. It is that at the end of the day, everything that you want in life always, always be, will be on the other side of your fears. You have to overcome them. I have been having fears maybe when I was moving to Malaysia. I was having fears about being the only woman in the room or studying a career that everyone was telling me you will not find a job as a chemical engineer, then I was having fears. But you have to be brave enough to maybe making some mistakes. That's okay, but you learn. And after you learn, you keep moving and you keep trying and you keep trying because what you are truly looking for will be in the other side. And, and the third one, the way, the way I see life is, is this way that I will summarize in, in one phrase that at the end of the day is like everything will be okay. What I mean with this, everyone in, your, in, in their life, you have goals. And the way I see the goals, they are in the top of the mountain. 
And then you need to go from the bottom to the top to reach that goal. It's already hard, you know, to be going uh, upwards. But the way I see it, you will never go straight. You will be like a zigzag going up and down, up, up and down. Because what is happening along the way, along the journey, you will have challenges. And these challenges could be put you sometimes even in your knees that you, you, you may think, I cannot do it anymore. But you need to keep trying and overcome. And because you are trying and keep moving, even if you feel like you cannot make it anymore, it could be because someone is sick at home, because you are sick, because you lose something, because you don't have a job, you name it, you have cancer. I don't know what is that a proof that you have. But what I guarantee you is that you will be uh, learning some superpowers. Those superpowers will help you in the next challenge. It's like a video game. You will go in from level one to level two to level three. But if you don't pass level one and get your, I don't know, this special weapon and this special knife, then when you go to the next one, you will not have the tools that you need, either the inner strength or the outer strength to really fight back and keep moving and keep moving until you reach to the top. Then at the end of the day, if you have the faith and the resilience to keep moving, you will get there eventually. And, and I say a bonus. Yes, I say a bonus. The bonus is um, I, we need to stop being indifferent. If you want to transcend in the world, you need to be caring about your communities, what you can do to help others to be in a better world. If we, have a, if we want to have a better world, we cannot construct that new world with indifferent people. Then start thinking on what, to, what can you do to support others? That's what I will be telling uh, Scott. Hey, well, that is uh, well worth the price of admission there. Uh, and and it, gosh, if you, if you do those three plus one things, you're going to have a leg up on a lot of different folks, especially if you really invest in it and you believe in it and you lean into um, that advice that, that Gladys just shared. Hey, Allison, I know you've got another question here uh, as we change gears for Gladys, but before we do, what would be one one thing you would recommend uh, as folks really, you know, that, that same large room full of thousands and thousands of young professionals and students and hopefully lots of pizza, because I'd like to sit down and eat some really good pizza with these folks, but Allison... What would you what would you advise? Oh gosh, Gladys covered the the really good ones. I would add um, to network the best you can, and I know sometimes that's really tough in the early stages when you're kind of new to a career or new to a job, and you don't really know like what's appropriate to invite yourself along to something, or you know, figure out ways to plug in. And if that's volunteering for an organization that you know other people at your job or your um, company also volunteer at. That's a good way to do things. And to always find ways that you can offer value to someone else. Um, I, I, you know, we all know people in our kind of circles that they're kind of, they're always asking for a favor, you know, when they're coming along, they're asking for a favor. But then you also know the people that are always there to say, hey, what can I help you with? And those are the people we gravitate towards. And I, I would say to, to focus more on um, those kind of mentalities. And, and, and Alison, I think you say two important things um, because I can see like, um, let's say, uh, intern um, students in, in, in different locations in, in, uh, where I work. 
And what I can notice about the difference, because you say it's important to do networking, but the way to do networking, the, be the best way I have seen them doing it is saying, how can I help you? Then I always remember those interns and who were looking at me that I was struggling with something, maybe most probably something about technology <laughs> or, or something. And they say, okay, how can I help you? And they have you in a project here, in a project there. Then you are connecting, you are doing networking and, and you are helping. And then when there is an opportunity, I will think on you. Wow. And, and you're learning that way. You're learning hands-on. You're in the trenches and learning that way. And that's really powerful. Um, okay, as much as I hate to move forward, because uh, there's so much else, I feel like we could talk about, well, and all these questions, who am I, who am I kidding? Allison, I know, I well, I like the glass factor. When are we starting that? <laughs> Is that going to be a, let's do, it. let's do a weekly podcast. Hey. Okay, well, wait, before we, before you jump into other things, what, um, Gladys, what type of important news stories or trends, and I know you talked about um, Industry 4.0 kind of the digitization of, of factory and, and shop floors and things, but what, what kind of trends are you following in, in the global manufacturing industry? I, I am nowadays, I'm really, really focused on the digital transformation and I'm doing a lot of research globally about what is the best in class companies doing and what are the softwares that they are implementing. But along that topic, there are many other topics involved that I briefly touched. One is about uh, the future, the, the, the critical skills for the future of work, because that's around digital transformation. As I was saying, majority of the works of the future, they don't exist today. And when I say future, it's three to five years from now. It's not like 20 years from now. Then they, what are the skills that we need to be prepared for? Uh, and not only uh, I'm talking about the technical skills, I'm also talking about the soft skills. There is one very good research done by McKenzie. I can share later on uh, the, the title of the research where they are listing 56 skills that are critical for our future. Mostly, majority of them are soft skills, I would say 70 to 80 percent. And the other 20% are, are in the digital arena. No matter if you are a lawyer, everything will be transformed. No matter if you feel like you are not an engineer, you will need it. Then that's the other trend that I'm following. And of course, uh, uh, what I think everyone in supply chain is following, where is logistics going? Where is the manufacturing footprint it is going? what we can do better to serve our consumers because now is uh, it is the time that i wanted like like your postcard now i want my product now and then how can we get that satisfaction uh, properly assuring the quality the cost the safety of the product and so on then i will say that this uh, Three aspects, and, 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 and including in the soft skills or the skills of the future, will be the cultural aspects. Because nowadays, if you see the leadership needs to be evolved, now we need to care more about coaching than demand and control. We need to take care of the well being of our employees because they are living, because they are looking for work life balance then the way uh, leadership is changing is also very interesting. And we need to adapt. Quick aside, in you know, our local newspaper here in Atlanta is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They had a great article 
and this this podcast will publish in a couple weeks, so it'll be a couple weeks old by then. But the article really focused on neighbors of a certain community not really being happy with some new fulfillment centers in their neck of the woods, right? And it really it was very well written. Uh, they did their homework. They really un- uncovered a variety of of uh, aspects of the modern e-commerce era. Uh, but it really reminded me for the thousandth time that as consumers, you know, if if we're truly going to demand uh, where where we are today, you know, same day delivery, next day delivery at the price I want and what I want and every color it comes in, that comes with a lot of responsibility, right? And there's a lot of things that we're going to have to, um, a lot of problems that that creates, uh, that ripple effect creates. And as consumers, uh, especially as consumers that may not be in industry, that's an important thing to pull out of that blind spot and be, and be front and center because, yeah, if you want this, right, that, that everybody wants, well, it comes with this. So whether it comes with uh, workforce challenges, whether it comes with infrastructure challenges, whether it comes with sustainability challenges, and you know we're talking about ship again. I'd argue it's it's cardboard box again, right? We gotta we gotta get a, our handle around that. So um, I love how you're you're informing and challenging at the same time today, Gladys. And um, again, we're gonna have to have you back as we continue the Gladys Factor here. You want to make a point, Gladys? Please. No, no, I was saying that I'm happy to do so. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Oh, thumbs up. Okay, good. We're, we're birds of a feather around here. Blue jays of a feather around here. All right, so um, let's talk Eureka moments. This is one of my favorite questions we ask people, uh, especially these days when, you know, if you're a self-reflective person like most folks are, I think, um, even if they don't admit it, you're having these moments daily, sometimes on the tougher days, hourly. So when it comes to leadership, which we're big leadership nerds around here, Gladys and, and Allison, you're not getting out of answering this question either, so I'm coming to you next. But what eureka moment have you had here recently, Gladys, especially one that might be tied to leadership? Yeah, I, 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 I have a, a very important eureka moment last year. Last year, that is the mainly the pandemic year, I was an outlier for a saying of majority of the people out there, everyone majority, they were like at home office and virtual environments. But I was working in the plant with a new assignment in Operation 724. Then for me, it was like I have to be taking care of myself and my people. But in reality, I was out every day and, and, and nothing about virtual connections, something like that. That in that sense, my life was different uh, during the pandemic year. However, during the pandemic year, I have to take care of my, my father. He has Alzheimer at home, then I was very busy out there. And then I was having my father at home and, and it was very stressful. Then uh, in the Alzheimer, there is a scale um, uh, of, of the sickness and how you measure the progress of, 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 of your symptoms. Then he, when you are changing from one level to another level, then there is a lot of um, changes in your behavior, there are hallucinations, then weird things are happening. Then you need to readjust the, the medication and then you go to normal for a saying, but you move to a different level. Then my father was moving from level five to level six. The maximum is level seven. Then one day um, I, was, uh, I, I was like always running from one end to another. Then I saw him standing up in front of the uh, main door. And then I, wa- I was asking him, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm waiting, waiting for who or for what? 
yes, my friend Thomas is coming to pick me up to go and drink for a coffee. Then I say, of course, my father couldn't go out because the pandemic and he was not vaccinated because no vaccination was available yet. And of course, Thomas has had passed away like two or three years ago. Then I, I remember uh, three things that the doctor was telling me since day one. And I was calling her every single day because all of these changes on his behavior. And she was telling me, Gladys, please remember the three most important rules. Passion, listen, and no confrontation. Then on that moment, I was, these words were resonating on my, on my mind. And actually, these three words, there were three words that in all my life I needed to learn. But somehow the universe was making sure that I was learning this time because I'm very impatient. I'm very hard to, to sit down and listen. And I always have the fact and data to confront every single argument. Then there were very tough learnings for me. Then I say, okay. I was keeping thinking about these three words, and then I decided to sit down with my father, waiting for his friend, Tomas, and then I started asking him about his friend, how they met, why they were good friends, and why he liked him, and so on. Then suddenly my, my cellular phone rings, and then I answered, and then I told my father, oh, I'm sorry that your friend couldn't make it why we don't go to the kitchen and we take a coffee. Then we went to the kitchen and, and, we, take, and we take that coffee. Then I learned that it's very, very important to put always relationship up front uh, besides anything else. I also learned that I knew that by night, that night he will forget about what we talk about it or what will happen about it but he will never, ever forget how I make him feel. That's something that you will never forget. Then my takeaways and my learning, how many times we don't listen patiently with our whole heart to the people, how many times we prefer the confrontation when it's not making a point or a sense instead of the relationship. How many times are we questioning ourselves how we are making feel others after they leave the room and talking to you? That was my Eureka moment on last year. That's a Hall of Fame Eureka moment answer. Uh, and at the core of it is that PLN, you know, passion, listen, non-confrontation. I've got a similar uh, three-letter acronym as PTK which we, we have really practiced over the last couple of years, patience, tolerance, and kindness. Even when you don't want to be patient or tolerant or kind, you got to really challenge our, ourselves, right, to, to, to do that in those moments. But, you know, I love, your, love that example, Gladys. And, and you, know, you could have worked with your father a whole number of ways in that moment. And, and, and instead, you, you, you took a breath and, and kind of put him first and how you're going to you're going to resolve that situation. That, and that's, um, that is a lot of humanity on display. Allison, you, you have the, that's quite a bar in your question, but you tell me <laughs> what are your Eureka moments? Yeah. And I, I loved your insight on your quick thinking when your phone rang and for you to kind of redirect. 
that was that was really really quick thinking. Um, I I think that my eureka moment kind of uh, overlaps what what Gladys felt, and that was prioritization. So I think that during the pandemic, it was kind of a um, like Gladys, we were we were full time at the shop, so it was no. I mean, there was no difference really for me. Um, but my husband was working from home, so it was I'd go home and he was there, um, and things were a lot different there. And of course, all my you know, it's not like we could go out with friends and have a good time like you know, like the old days. And by old days, I mean 2019. Um, but I I think that there was a there was a forced prioritization that I think that I'm a little grateful that maybe it's still here. There was uh, something that came up not long ago that um, any other any other time, 2019 or prior, I would have jumped at the opportunity to do, and it would have been exhausting and taken a lot, me a lot of time to to commit. But um, surprisingly, the words out of my mouth were, "No, I don't have time for that." But thanks for thinking of me. And uh, I was I came home. I was so excited. I said to said to my husband, "I was like, guess what? I said no to something," and he was stunned. Um, no, but I, I think that the prioritization and kind of realizing what's important to us. And I think to Gladys's point with, with putting her father um, at the forefront of that. And then just, I think a lot of people are kind of reevaluating, wow, what have we gone without for so long and what matters? That's excellent perspective. And I I appreciate both y'all's responses there. Uh, You know, Steve jobs, folks have all kinds of opinions of Steve, Steve jobs, but it's tough to deny what he did. Right. And, and, and how he challenged can you imagine the first time oh, I didn't have my phone first time he held up his, uh, an idea of what he wanted a handheld device to do. Can you imagine the pushback he got in that room full of very smart people? Right. But also at the same time, and there's a, there's a great quote he's got, but it goes to your point, Allison, the power of saying no as leaders, it's one of the toughest, but the most important lessons that we can learn because we can't focus on everything. Right. And, and, and make as much progress in our priority uh, priorities uh, that we do have and and, and um, we're charged with uh, making uh, traction on. So but th- this is my favorite question and both of y'all have illustrated exactly why. So thank you so much, Gladys and Allison. Um, all right. As much as I hate to wind this conversation down, we, we need, we need three bolt on hours here, but Gladys, how can folks connect with you in case they want to invite you in, do a keynote uh, or, or benchmark, or you, you name it. How, how would you direct people to connect with you? Yeah, the best way to connect with me is through LinkedIn, and you can find me with just my name, Gladys Araujo. I think you have a, a footnotes in your podcast that they can read my name uh, because the spelling maybe uh, is hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're, we're going to make it easy. We're after that one touch. So to your point, Gladys, absolutely. We'll have your LinkedIn profile there. Thank you. And, and, and some other links. Maybe we'll include a link to this framers book that uh, if it's got Excellent. Allison's rubber stamp approval, you know, that's like the Oprah book list around here. It's Allison's book list. So that's important. That's a, that's but, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good one. But Gladys, it is, it doesn't always happen that someone surpasses the reputation that uh, and, and and the description that that folks have when we set up interviews, but man, you've blown it out of the water. So <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much thank you for spending much. time with us, and we'll have you back again really soon. Allison, first off, again, thank you for connecting us with Gladys. Um, you know, you could connect. Um, we we should solve some of our energy problems around the world just connecting 
the the electric grid with Gladys, and man, we could power <laughs> some city blocks, can we? Uh, so, thank you, Allison, for that. But how can folks connect with you, Allison? Sure. So definitely uh, LinkedIn, and I'm I'm all for the the Gladys factor and the electrical grid, and yeah, we solve all kinds of problems. Yes. So find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect. Awesome. All right. So we have been chatting again with Gladys Araujo, uh, Araujo Global Quality. Vice President with Mattel Incorporated. Sometimes you got to say things twice simply because of the rock stars that they are. So big <laughs> thanks to Gladys. Also, big thanks to my guest host, uh, the one and only Allison Krejci Giddens. Really appreciate all that you do. WinTech, uh, the Dave Krejci Foundation. Gosh, I don't know where you find the time, but both of y'all, I, I admire the leaders you are in your businesses, but but perhaps more importantly, the leaders you are in global industry and, and, and the do good factor. So really appreciate it both. Um, all right. So with that said, folks, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Uh, you know, Definitely. I feel like I've earned Gladys. I feel like I've earned like a lifetime degree after the last hour. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> um, maybe I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll eventually catch up to your 18 degrees, but really <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, a well, an hour well vested. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it uh, audience as much yeah. as I have. Find us wherever you get your podcast from. You don't want to miss episodes just like this with uh, the movers and shakers across industry. But most importantly, folks, hey, be like Gladys and mm-hmm. Allison. Do good, give forward, be the change that's needed in society today. And we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thank you very much, Scott. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.